every life has a story and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. My uh, next guest, if you weren't seeing him and you only heard his voice and you were from Perth, Western Australia, I'm sure you'd recognise the voice. Uh, most of you have heard him on Radio 98.5, especially on Saturdays and Sundays, because he hosts uh, those couple of days. But I'm sure many of you have never met him or have never seen his face, <laughs> especially now after the haircut. That's not so much today, So today, here at Kingdom Stories, I have Lockie or Chris Lockie. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You had a long hair. How long was it? Just It was, uh, yeah, pretty long. Yeah. Two years, two and a half years? Uh, it was actually six years. So, yeah, six years. So I cut it off six years ago for the same purpose and uh, did it three weeks ago, roughly on Australia Day. Uh, for the same cause again in Powerade. There are an amazing bunch of uh, women who do some great work around the world. Six years worth of hair growth. Uh, it was cut a couple of times through that period, yeah. uh, but just the last probably 18 months or so where we actually delayed the fundraising activities. So it became, uh, oh, I'll just let it go. And I, I washed it, but I didn't look after it well, so I'd go swimming, the beach, pool, etc. And it was just, Ready and to it was ready to go. So ready to go. Um, <laughs> when, when we cut it off, it was literally stayed in one piece, like a big ball of fur. It was horrible. So I'm you made sure you didn't wash it for a few weeks before. I know I washed it. It was just so dry. It was yeah. like straw. So uh, very happy for it to be gone. That's for sure. You've got a full skull of hair. Or? No, not so much. It's been kind of you know going a little bit over the years. <laughs> As you get older, you well, okay. if I was to grow, it would just be like that. <laughs> <laughs> just silent. Well, I did actually go over the hairdresser. I said, "Look, just give me the tattoo of Castile." I'm very happy with that. And that 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 was a good, uh, obviously, reason. Well, a beautiful reason. It sparked a lot of uh, community discussion and a bit of a topic that's right. for Saturdays and Sundays for you at the show. Uh, I didn't actually talk about it much because I don't like to, I guess, self-promote. So I, I, I must have seen it on social media more. Yeah, that's right. I promoted it a little bit on social media because it's obviously a, a non... Um, it's not particularly towards us uh, an agenda. Yeah. Uh, it's my own personal space, whereas sure. you know, the 98.5 thing, I didn't want it to come yeah, and take over. Uh, but yeah, in Panorama, I wanted a bunch of people, so they actually uh, women that train in hairdressing of all things yes. in some of the poorest places in the world, including Bangladesh. And they train these ladies in an actual certification so that they can go and earn a living in the cities and then feed their families, you know, bring an income in, uh, their kids get educated, all those sorts of things. So it's a holistic approach. Um, so we raised a fit in Panorama. It's absolutely empowering, and over the years that they've been going for, They've impacted over 300 women alone and their families, and their families, so thousands. their daughters and their sons. And that's right. So it is. It's a real legacy program as well because it teaches those women to then also teach uh, to pass that baton. So that's amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. And it's ironic. I think I said to you, we actually raised the exact same amount this time around as we did six years ago. Wow. Uh, you know, most of the dollar was quite incredible. So that is fun. That is fun. Testament to God's goodness. So you're a Perth boy? Very much Perth boy. As you drove in this area, you, you, oh, you knew man. the area. I was a little bit actually over the couch. So you, you grew up only about three or four k's? I grew up up the road at Onbiribuka Avenue, which obviously becomes Norwara Avenue. Yeah. And in Balga or in, in Balga? Westminster? In Balga. It was what it was back then. It was all Balga. Yeah. There was no Westminster. And um, yeah, there's lots of history through particular locations. Yeah. Uh, my first job was with, uh, well, my first job as a 13 year old boy was running a milk round, yeah. which they don't obviously do anymore. Yeah. And we used to meet down at all our shops down here. Yeah. My second job was at the supermarket that is now an IGA, which was actually a bio-loan. But even before that, just here in the corner, just here, yeah. 300 meters. 300 meters from here. Uh, even before that, though, when I was a kid going to school, I went to a Christian school uh, up the road, part of the Baptist Church around Emmanuel. the corner, uh, the North Baptist Church. It was just called Normara Christian Academy, a very small uh, kind of, um, uh, what you put it, Southern Baptist influence. So that was your private school? It was a private school. Uh, and private. It was all age, uh, all um, range from primary right through to high school. high school. I think I was there only for about 12 or 18 months from years 7 and 8, or okay. 8 and 9, one of those two. 
Um, so it wasn't an ideal place for me or for some of the people that were there because it was quite small. Uh, but yes, the church history there. So you grew up in a Christian family, your parents were uh, Christians? Not so much. So, uh, long story actually. So, yeah, it depends on what we've got, I suppose. Nothing now. Go right back to the beginning, yeah. back to the dawn of time when God created man. And back, <laughs> back, back in 72. That's right. Well, even before that, so um, my father was uh, actually, he was older when I was born. So, he was, I was, he was nearly 50 when I was born. Uh, my dad had a lot of problems. Was that old? Uh, well, to have a child it is. I want to have a child at about 50 years old. So. Yeah, I just had a child seven months ago. Did you? You've been on 50 years. <laughs> no, I'll be 50 this year. I'll give myself another whole thing. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. I'm ready to have another one. Are you? Good on you. I won't tell that uh, to my wife. Yeah, that's right. She'll hold you to it. So, uh, my dad was born in 1923. Yeah. So, as a result, uh, he was there through the wars, etc. Uh, he was enlisted. Uh, in fact, he couldn't wait. When he was, I think, 16, he uh, joined the uh, RAF, the yeah. Air Force in England. And uh, when the war came, he went. And he never came home. He stayed within the military, yes. uh, within the Air Force. Uh, he took a posting of all places in Palestine. Mm. Uh, and a short time after that, he ended up working, he had a job with the Palestine police. Yeah. So he was looking after the Holy Land. He was actually patrolling. Yeah. You know, the Dome of the Rock and the, the yeah. Bloody Wall and all these amazing places, the Holy City, yeah. And he had photos which were quite confronting because a lot of them, there were dead bodies. Yeah. It was quite a, a different time back then. A uh, few years there and uh, then decided he wanted to do something different, was offered a contract with a rubber plantation in Singapore. Uh, or in Malaysia, or Malaya as it was back then, yeah. uh, before all the changes. And of course, as a white man going to that particular part of the world, he was pretty much hunted. So we had full-time bodyguards and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. Met my mum there, who was a Chinese woman working in Malaya, a young lady. Uh, they, they met, she was working in a cafe, uh, fell in love, and uh, they decided to get married. And then it became even harder for them because then she was also hunted, being you know, yeah. married to a white man, to the point that at night time, they couldn't have lights on in the house because if yeah. they walked past a window, someone, someone would take a, a shot at them. And uh, I remember Dad telling me the reason, or the, the deciding moment for him getting out was realising that, so we made plans to get out, it was only a few days later. He was driving across a ridge with his driver and two bodyguards in his Jeep, and uh, all of a sudden, bang, 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 Jeep went down the embankment and rolled. He fell out and kind of crawled under some bushes or something. Yeah. It, just lots of noise and gunfire. Uh, he came out of it, he recently felt like about an hour or so, he actually managed to crawl out because he just hid there for that time. Yeah. Came out to find his bodyguards and his driver both shot dead. And he just had a bullet hole in the arm and then managed to get away. Yeah. So, so yeah, he just, you know, God obviously had a plan for him even back then. Uh, so they came out to Australia. Uh, they worked for the Stirling Council, of all places, for oh. most of his life here. Nice. Um, so yeah, very local as well. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, they both passed away. Mum had uh, motor urines a few years back, so that was pretty hard to, oh. to deal with. And Dad just, he would have been 80, I think 86 when he passed away, so a few years back now. Nice. Uh, I mean, considering he would be 100 next year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's put it in perspective. But um, Dad, uh, Mum and my sister, actually, and myself, we went to the church, the Balka Church of Christ, when I was about probably six or seven. Mm -hmm. I remember some vague... Members of that. Yeah. We, uh, I remember it being a very old building with old pews and an old man up the front who was dressed finely, and there would have been 20 people in the congregation. You know, we got sent out to Sunday school, and I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Uh, probably due to my separation anxiety. Didn't want to be away from my mum. That was mm -hmm. part of it. Um, but to the point that even one time I ran away, I literally ran away from the Sunday school, and they came up the street and chased me down. So that was my first experience of church. It was a good one. Running away. Exactly, running away from it. And then when I was about... Must have been five or six. Yeah, five, six, maybe seven, I think. Do you um, remember or just what they taught you? Oh, I remember it. I actually remember oh, parts yeah. of it. Yeah, I remember running up Balgar Avenue and mum coming up. So where was this? The church uh, called Balgar and uh, Princess? Correct, yeah. With the, the, old Shiloh. Shiloh. the old Shiloh Faith Center. Yeah, just next to that. We bought that church. Yeah, so no, it's, it was opposite where some of the housing estate is now. Okay. So, because yeah, they were both there at the same time. Oh, right. Yeah, because that's the remaining church. Yeah, that's right. Of course. 
Um, so that was my first experience. And then when I was about 11, my mum and sister started going to the Northern Baptist Church, oh. uh, which there was quite a solid... Uh, so your mum your was in the faith? Uh, I think she was searching more than anything. I don't. Dad, know. not so much. Dad, not so much. No, he was a military man. Um, had a few had a bit of baggage that he carried with him. And at Sterling, what was he doing? Uh, he was a kind of a health surveyor. Um, just a yeah, basically a surveyor. So he would actually go out and Inspect, yeah. do checks with the beach patrol and yeah. uh, you know the garbage people and all yes. that. Just make sure everything was in order. Uh, I remember going to work with a few times in the car and running around the, the yard there and seeing all the rubbish trucks. It was all owned by the council, that sure. one yard for everything. Uh, now it's all subcontracted out, yeah. of course. Uh, so back then it was just, everything was that one. And I used to on Saturday morning, you know, go up at four o'clock in the morning and go with him and do the beach patrol and you know, nice. see the guys at the beach. It was such a crazy gig, honestly. You yeah. know, best job in the world. Yeah. It was done by one, two o'clock in the afternoon and come home and just, uh, Probably not healthy for him in the, the, the drinking issues that he had at the time. Oh. But uh, yeah, a lot of, the, as I say, going back, he had a lot of baggage from his days in the uh, armed forces and trauma, big time, big yeah. time. Um, and just, yeah, never got over it. But God had a, a plan all along, of course. So I'm 11 years old, my mum and sister go to this Baptist church, I get dragged along. Uh, meet a couple of guys that become friends. Mm-hmm. I'm only there for maybe 12 or 18 months, maybe two years. Uh, was then, uh, uh, I guess, offered to go to the school there as well. Yeah. It was a very close community. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I don't speak anything against them. Every church has its place and every church has its issues. And, uh, you know, it just it wasn't healthy for a number of reasons for me. Uh, and, um, it was a good experience though, and what it really set up for me was that Proverbs 22 6, trying to have a child and the way he will go, yeah. and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Because I was indoctrinated with scripture and with the messages and stories of God and mm-hmm. real biblical truths, all from the King James, of course, the AD 1611. Um, so a lot of the these and thou's are still stuck in my brain when I preach on a Sunday morning. Okay. And thou shalt, hang on, I'm reading from the NRSV or the NIV. Message. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, the message, exactly. That's like a whole different language. It's great. But um, so I kind of gave my life to the Lord probably out of fear at that time because, you know, the option was if you don't, you go to hell. Yeah. It was yeah. just hellfire and brimstone. So uh, that was the fear factor. Don't know that I had a true faith at that point. But I knew that I was a God that had a full understanding and a reverence for God. Yeah. That was the one thing that I know for a fact back then. Uh, but I left the church when I was about 13, 14. Yeah. Uh, we got into my you know, circle of friends. Uh, spent a lot of time in the ice rink up in Maribel. It was there, the original yeah. monkey. Played hockey, uh, played for the state and other things. And it was a great time in my life. Monkey playing hockey. <laughs> but um, Hey, that was a good age, ice skating room. Yeah, it was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Fast time, and you could get annual membership there. I, I literally, because I lived only a kilometre up the road, yeah. I was there five times a week. That was my thing. That's phenomenal. It's a good sport. I literally worked yeah. part time just to earn enough to get into the rink to buy my gear, etc. Yeah. That was my that was my thing. I loved it. Oh, so well. Good. Even when we moved here, I used to go here. Yeah, okay. I mean, just, just to run around. Yeah, basically. that's it. It's crazy just going around in circles for two yeah. hours, yeah. but it's so satisfying. Yeah. yeah, it's like nothing else. So if you haven't tried hockey, get on try it. There's one in Malaga now. That's right, it's Mirabuka, Malaga. There's still one here, isn't it? Yeah, there's a new one at the back there. It's actually yeah. owned by people that used to, I used to play hockey with, nice. like the original. And there's now the, the new Coburn as well. Okay, so there's three or something totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm playing hockey, enjoying life, working down the road, uh, in my cars, you know, doing. What were you doing? What were you working? I was just in the supermarket, so okay. I was only, you know, still going to school at that point. Uh, and then even when I finished school, uh, I ended up working full time in that the grocery store. Uh, moved into another one, uh, sort of further north of the river, uh, just because it was a full time gig, and continued to play hockey and, and did all that kind of stuff. Got into DJing. Oh. Uh, and it's it's kind of. It's actually a sad moment right now. Uh, the man, so I met a guy at the ice rink who was DJing there. Yes. And he, a few years older than myself. That was the proper job there. Oh, yeah. You had to be good to be a yeah, DJ at the ice rink. Yeah. So he and I just clicked, we were good mates, and uh, we started kind of 
just hanging around a bit and I got really intrigued. I was always intrigued by radio from yeah. probably eight years old. That's a whole other story. Um, I did some, did some work experience back in the day at a couple of radio stations and that was always part of my DNA as well. Nice. So, uh, in fact, it was going back again, 82, uh, sorry, 1980, when FM radio came to Perth. Yeah. And I was an eight-year-old kid just fascinated by it. I used to listen. what it was. Oh, 100%. I used to listen uh, with headphones or earphones and a speaker and my pillow yeah. late at night. My parents would think I was asleep and I was sitting and listening to the radio. And there was this one voice that I remember so vividly yes. that was almost like a lullaby when I went to sleep at night. Mm. And that's one of the things I really remember now. And that's yeah. kind of one of the things that motivates me in radio as well, yeah. is to be that voice that people need to hear no matter where they are in life, whether they're an eight-year-old sitting with a speaker under the pillow or yeah. whether they're going through some tough stuff, marital issues or life issues, uh, or just trying to find God. Um, yeah. I want to be that voice uh, to them at that time. Yeah. So anyway, I met this friend and uh, we became good friends. He taught me so much. In fact, I think he was the first person to really put a microphone in my hand. Uh, you know, wow. I was 16 years old and uh, he just he built my confidence and uh, taught me some skills around you know, DJing. Uh, ended up, by the time I was 17, I was doing weddings and, and parties and MCs. things like that. MC, uh, yeah, just, just really yeah. comfortable in my own skin and that. Yeah. And uh, then started DJing at the skating rink as well. Uh, so that was a lot of fun because I got to mix a bit of work. So did you build your own uh, console? Yeah. Yeah, build a couple of consoles and with turntables back yeah. in the day. Buckets with tons of radio uh, with records. It was just, you know, it was a heavy gig back yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, and there was a massive investment because you would carry all yeah. of those with you, you know, thousands of dollars. There was a record store in Mirabuka that, um, yeah, they used to get most of my wages for a period of time. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, so I, again, literally go out and DJ. And I started doing clubs and things as well. And, and uh, it was about feeding the, I won't say addiction, but it probably was, you know, buying yeah. vinyl was the thing. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But yeah, going back to the story of meeting this man, uh, he was a really good friend. It's a, almost a mentor me in that world. Um, crazy guy, really crazy guy. But he was also, he had this heart. And whenever in our group of friends, whenever there was something heavy, yeah. he was the one that we went to. He was the one that carried the load. And I remember actually, he's probably the only man that I ever remember. And at a really crucial time, just he grabbed me and he helped me and we just shed tears together as a 16, 17 year old boy. That was just powerful. Because mm. you know, I don't think I ever did that with my own father. Yeah. Uh, and to be quite honest, I'm actually going to his funeral on Wednesday, this Wednesday. So um, despite his confidence and his craziness, um, he decided that this world wasn't for him anymore. And uh, yeah, it's just it was but yeah, I don't know where he was at. His, he was just—he was always one of those guys that lived on the edge, yeah. pushed the boundaries. Um, you know, I often said that I found my boundaries by watching him through a stretch past his. Yeah. That's right. Uh, just knowing that that was too far. Mm -hmm. So yeah, pretty sad, pretty tragic. Um, but you know, God uses everything, and I'm sure He'll use this just like He does everything else. So yeah, that's, uh, that's up to my, I guess. When did you find the Lord? Well, it's a whole other story there. So I was DJing in clubs, uh, met my, the woman who would become my first wife. Were you into drugs or uh, no, I didn't. more alcohol? Look, drugs, alcohol, my father had some issues. So, so you kept away? I kept away from yeah. I had a few drinks every now and then, but I always knew. And even then, as I say, that little bit of faith input that was in me, that you know, training up, I had a reference that I would never go too far because I didn't want to be out of my own mind. Yeah. I wanted to have that control or that uh, that clarity. Yeah. So there was never, um, you know, I think I smoked marijuana a couple of times and it just but again, it messed me up. I was like, yeah. no, I don't want this. It's out of control. Um, so, yeah, never went down that road. And there was always that, I used to see my friends do things that I think, oh, man, that's delving into the kind of evil, that's delving yeah. into bad territory. And it's alcohol that opens the door to most other evil things. Correct, yeah. There's a lot of things that lead. They're all you know, gateways per se. Um, so yeah, I didn't uh, do a lot of that. But uh, I'll tell you straight up, when my dad was 76, mm -hmm. I came home, or I wasn't living at home at the time, but I came back to visit on a Sunday afternoon and he was sitting at a table. 
and uh, there was a bit of conversation going around and everyone everyone kind of left and I was left there with him. They'd gone out yeah. and uh, I just started talking to him about faith and about yeah. uh, what it meant and yeah. I just had this, he had this look in his eye and yeah. I said, do you want to talk about this? You know, Do you feel like you want to give your life to the Lord to, to, you know, to submit yeah. at this point? And he said, yeah, I think I do. Wow. And he literally prayed there and then, you know, God, come and forgive me, make me whole and restore me. And 76 years old, and despite all his efforts through his life to be a better father, to be a better man, to give up drinking and all that stuff, it always failed. This was the turning point. And wow. he kind of became the, the man that I needed him to be all along. Mm-hmm. And although there was still some baggage there, of course, um, and there was a lot of just struggles with different things, in the family as a result of the past. Yep. Uh, yeah, I saw the change in him from that moment on. It was instant. Wow. And uh, yeah, so he passed away not less than 10 years later. But yeah, it was just comforting to know that. It was the best decade of his life. Oh my goodness. Best day of my life, I think, that one. Yeah. That was incredible. But, uh, and when, when did a spiritual awakening happen to you? Oh, it wasn't for a few years though. I was, married, I was married when I was 21. And uh, went back to. But early before that period or not? Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, it was probably early compared to my friends and. So you met her in a where you were DJing? working at a nightclub. Yep. Um, and you know, I. What's her name? No, I'm not gonna say. So when you're 21, you don't know what you're doing. Okay. You just don't. And you think you know what you want in life, but you don't. Okay. And without God in your life, there's very little direction that's very little short um, you just kind of fly off set your pants because I do that anyway I'm a guy that I don't put a lot of planning into a lot of things yep. I'll have a very basic outline and then I'll just kind of go work it out and let you know, the path. correct um, and that's how I probably went into life and went into marriage so long story short seven years three kids and uh, was that a church that was very similar to the churches I grew up in yeah, very traditional, very fundamental. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, got on the wrong track and uh, basically destroyed the marriage. Uh, destroyed a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships, and I uh, found myself in a very, very dark place. This is early 2000s. And um, I, yeah, look, if it wasn't for that ounce of faith that was still in me, yeah. I don't think I would be, I'd be like my friend. I would have just ended yeah. it. But God had a plan, he had mm. a great plan. And uh, so I went, I made that decision that I had made all these mistakes. I had gotten into this absolute rut and this disastrous life that I created by myself. It was mm. only me that had done that. And perhaps this God, if he is who he says he is, and if yeah. the people that tell me who and how amazing he is, if they're right, then maybe he can help me out. Yeah. So I started going to church. So I checked out a few churches. Of course, I went to churches that were similar because that was what I'd come from and it didn't do me a lot of good. Uh, a couple of years back, and I'll do some name dropping, a couple of years prior, I, was, I had my own business in audio visual and I uh, was contracted to do, a, to do a job for a guy by the name of Graham Mabry. Okay. Now, Graham was a host of 6 Hours Nightline and, of course, the senior pastor at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. And... Um, from my understanding, what I'd been indoctrinated with was that churches were just very comfortable places. Yeah. And unless you were preaching that hellfire and brimstone, you were missing the mark. So my expectation of Graham was just a average Joe who had a church. Yeah. And uh, when I worked at his place for him. At 6PR. No, at his actual private uh, dwelling. Uh, met his wife and his boys. and. He seemed like a nice enough guy, you know, he didn't kind of, didn't preach at me or yep. tell me I was going to hell or anything. He just kind of was nice and we yep. had coffee and had a chat. So that was two years prior. So fast forward to, I'm going through this crazy time and after all these churches I visited, there was nothing, it was just not happening. I went, I should go and check out this, this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Hmm. So I walked in on a Sunday night. Uh, it was actually at what was Winthrop Auditorium at Kennedy now, Kennedy Baptist College, Kennedy Auditorium. We walked in on a Sunday night 
and it was everything that I had been taught was wrong in church. There was flashing lights and a smoke machine and a band that was playing louder than they should have been and there was kids jumping up and down wearing board shorts and back to front caps and tank tops and it's like it's a beach party, you know. But it was something very solid, something real that was keeping me there. Mm. And uh, actually Graham spoke that night and he spoke a very articulate message which of course being who I was I went back and questioned every piece of theology that he'd even brought to the table that night and he said hang on just gave it to me really straight he was very open and honest and very yeah. loving in his, his response and uh, so I thought oh, I'll go back again next week I uh, got there pretty early because I was fascinated by the music because I'm a muso yeah. and I was a stifled muso in the churches that I'd come from there was yeah. you know, not an ability for especially a drummer you know to actually you're a drummer oh yeah okay. a drummer king is not a drummer yeah. <laughs> but uh, no um just fascinated with the music and so I got there probably half an hour and it maybe even an hour early that first or that second night on a Sunday and I was listening to the rehearsals, listening to the words and watching the musos and some of these guys were professional musos, uh, what were trained and uh, graduates and just I was blown away but there was something more than that and it was the spirit that was moving through the songs, the words yeah. and I started to feel this presence that mm -hmm. I never understood, I never experience before Good. and uh, I just sat there in this kind of awe and said right God if you're actually here with me right now then I need your help because I'm a mess mm. I need help and I just felt I all started crying I was a mess uh, a gentleman walked in who I'm going to say it out loud he looked like Colonel Sanders so he had the white beard the white yeah. hair and everything lovely gentleman and he sat down next to me and said you know hey young um, he introduced himself I introduced myself he said oh, can I pray with you yeah, sure. So we sat down and prayed for a while, and all of a sudden, both of us were just overcome, just over enveloped in the spirit. And uh, this went on pretty much every week for about six weeks. We'd yeah. go and we'd pray and we'd cry, and God was just doing this restoration work. And along the journey, I met some amazing people. I did some courses in healing yeah. and all the issues that I had. Um, I might say they were resolved that God was working at that time. And the ironic part was that immediately as I started to realise I was healing, he placed people in my life who were dealing with the same issues that I'd gone through yeah. big time. And I remember they were just God moments where a guy would rock up from Tasmania, he was visiting a friend and he decided to pop into the church. And I met him, I'd been there you know, three months myself. And he came and introduced himself to me. I'll never forget this one. He said, oh, um, are you, are you the guy that called Lockie? I said, oh, yeah. He says, oh, God gave me a name. Well, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I'm from Tasmania. I had to come here to visit my grandma. Yes. So God gave me your name to come and talk to. Well, and uh, I journeyed with this chap on some issues for uh, some time to come after that and just met some wonderful people on the journey. And as I say, he continues to allow you to share your brokenness in order to help people to heal through their brokenness as well. Yeah. You know, it's like the old saying, who can help or who's better to help someone who's been through a divorce than someone who's been through a divorce or who's better to help someone who's lost a loved one or a child than someone who's been through that themselves uh, because they can understand, you know, there's a... There's and they're not the process, they're not, they understand the journey, they know it takes time. Correct. And have the patience yeah, to walk the path with you. That's right. So I'm meeting with this gentleman, praying, and God's doing this amazing work. I start to get involved in the music ministry there, which was just the best thing ever. Um, some wonderful leaders there, people that just really spoke into my life, yeah. uh, explained that the Holy Spirit's actually not something you run away from, it's something you, you know, because that was kind of... And this is about this church. This is about this church, man. My yeah. preaching. <laughs> Pentecostal craziness, that's good. Um, so I've kind of, and even in the last 10 years, I think, I've probably been through a real roller coaster between you know, the conservative yeah. um, church and the, so the traditional Methodist, the, yeah, exactly, the extreme Pentecostal, etc. And for me, there's a medium ground yeah. that kind of it just yeah, encapsulates what the church should look like, what I see in the Church of Acts, for example. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, this gentleman, we're praying, etc. There's all stuff going on, and it was Christmas about a year later uh, that he said, "Hey, would you like to come and uh, have lunch with us?" I oh, know he said, "Come after lunch and meet the family, have coffee with us." Yeah, because uh, I had some stuff on with my kids for Christmas that day, and uh, so I went and popped around and uh, met his wife and his daughter. They were, I think, at the time going to morning services. Yes, yeah. so I'd never met them before, and uh, we got chatting and. Uh, 
over the course of the next probably 12 months, um, his daughter uh, messaged me a couple of times about something to do with church. She wasn't part of the church, but had left herself oh. uh, just because there was no connection there for her. There was no yeah. people that were in, in her demographic. Um, so she wasn't off doing crazy things or anything. She just didn't find what she needed in showing local assembly. And um, so we started chatting back on the days when it was MSN online. Yeah. And uh, just talking about what church was. And so I said, oh, why don't you come along? I'll take you to another church. Maybe we'll go to Riverview because I was a, a visitor there occasionally as well during the Phil Baker days. Yeah. And uh, so I took him along a few times and took him out a few times and uh, different services, different gatherings. And uh, really felt like I was doing something in her life. And, and you know, her dad was just overwhelmed because she was back in church. And, uh, and searching, and it was one night that we were, uh, she'd come around, we were going to go, I think to Riverview that night, and uh, we're sitting there, and I always have music in my house, I always worship music all the time, it just fills the atmosphere, yeah. and we're sitting there, I look down, she's just crying her eyes out, I said, what's wrong, and she goes, I've just got to, I've got to give my life to God, um, and she just prayed there, and called out, and then asked for God to, 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 uh, to forgive her, and to give her a new life, and uh, she went home and obviously her dad was a mess. He was just in tears and rang me. He's like, thank you. I didn't do anything. It was just God. Anyway, we started to become quite you know, well acquainted, good yeah. friends. We grew a little bit, you know, a couple of years down the track now. And um, yeah, it was quite awkward because this man who was my mentor, who was a support through my darkest times, who knew every dark secret about me. Yeah, everything. I'm was like, ah. <laughs> This you couldn't reverse engineer it. Like, That's right. And I said, look, I'm, I, uh, your daughter and I are going to live. And he said, so what's the big deal? And the day I met him and I started sharing some stuff, he said, I want you to know something. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he would often remind me of that. Yeah. Every time we pray, you know, there was some stuff going on, some healing, he would say, there's no condemnation. Don't walk out of here heavier. You walk out lighter. I needed to hear that all over again. again. And so many people do need to hear that over and over because we carry the weight of our past yeah. rather than say, well, I've given it over to God now. It's been paid for. It's yeah. been crucified. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Um, our minds like to play tricks and the enemy likes to bring it to our attention all the time as well. So he used to always say that there's no condemnation in Christ. And I went to him that day and I said, uh, hey, look, you know, your daughter and I are kind of friends and I just I don't want it to be awkward if you have a problem with it. He said, I, I said, I truly understand. He said, why don't I tell you the first day I met you? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, oh, why would I have a problem with it? I know who you are. I know, you know you're, a, you're a person that God's redeemed. Yeah. Not the person that you used to be. And uh, you know, here we are now, 15 plus years later, been married for 10 years, got a daughter, um, and you know, we were planning a church and doing all sorts of stuff. And God's just been amazing. Um, every avenue um, and he's still the greatest father in all you could ask for like and we live literally we back onto their house now <laughs> so we've got a gate in between the two properties uh, i just came from there and uh, went for a swim with the little girl that's really got a pool fully maintained pool in their backyard it's fantastic yeah <laughs> <laughs> just open the gate exactly but um yeah going back i guess more on the the church side of things, so I was at Mount Pleasant for 16 plus years, yeah. you know, really just committed there, uh, serving with the, the music team and the worship team and uh, doing bits and pieces where I could and I uh, had a great job, slow life and everything was cruising along and God, all of a sudden, about 20, early 2018 I think it was, uh, 2017, he just said, get out, okay, what do you mean, get out, and I was reading through a passage in Kings, the story of Elijah and Elisha. Yeah. And uh, you know, Elijah comes along and says, Hey, Elisha, you've been called. Yeah. And Elisha, who is a farm boy, yeah. he's got a plow and some cattle, and that's his livelihood. He doesn't question God's goodness. He doesn't question the call and say, Well, you know, hey, you know, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going yeah. to serve? I can't do both. He literally cooks the cattle, Burns the plow, cooks the yeah. cattle, has a celebration with his family, and he goes. Yeah. He goes. And I had that moment. Uh, and there's a whole massive story around that as well, uh, where God put some one particular person in my life who spoke into that at the right time. And uh, I literally quit my job. Yeah. And just started searching, just started walking the streets and praying and meeting with people, church leaders, 
people from local council, government, yeah. uh, anywhere, any, anyone that was connected in community. I wanted to know, I wanted to know what they did. And uh, so I did that for a few years. Yeah. Uh, got very much a vision for the church and for the city based around Fremantle yeah. and then going out from there. Uh, and that's when I met Bevan, the CEO of 98.5, um, through some encounters and he shared his vision, which was very similar to mine. Yeah. Um, and I, I, there's another story, which is it's a comical one, and I feel, I'm sorry to my wife because it's yeah, one of those stories. The only time she's ever been wrong, I'll tell you. <laughs> so when this all first, this call on our lives came, I said, I've got to quit my job. You know, and she said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go and get a, a doctorate in theology or a master's in divinity if you go further your education in the Christian realm so yeah. you can go and you know, lead a church or do whatever it is you're called to do? I don't feel like that's going to happen. I feel like God's just going to do something really special. Yeah. And not knowing a lot about my, I guess, radio connection, she said, yeah. you're not just going to get someone from 98.5 coming off you a job. <laughs> just off the cuff, she said. Two years later, I'm having a coffee with Bevan, CEO, who I just met a couple of weeks prior, and we were talking about the church and Fremantle and other things. Now the blue just looks at me and goes, hey, Lucky, how do you feel about doing some stuff on the radio? I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, we've got a couple of spots free, and we're always looking for you know, someone that's connected at ground level to bring some stuff to the on-air, the content. Yeah. And I went, okay, yeah, okay. And then I flashed back to that conversation with my wife. <laughs> and I went, oh, I can't wait to go home and tell her this. <laughs> Close your room. No, it's an 1891. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's when that journey started. About three and a half, four years ago, I suppose. Get my timelines all mixed up. But yeah, I've been there for about four years now, um, doing bits and pieces. And you do weekends? So the initial was doing the weekends, uh, and then that led to doing some fillings here and there, and you know, whole days and things. Yeah, we had a couple of other shows that we trialled through some different times. you do about, what, six or eight hours on Saturday and Sunday? So, yeah, so Saturday mornings is till midday. Six till midday. Uh, no, no, just nine till midday officially. Okay. So, um, and we've got, that's part of the, you know, the gardening show, the yeah. real estate show, the segment, and uh, some other musical content. And then Sunday after. David Smells. That's it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Does he come in or he does it all the day? Depends on the day. Depends on the day, yeah. So, he's got home opens and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Or golf games. Yeah. Or golf games. <laughs> he's a good real estate agent. He's a great guy. He works hard. I, I love his pointers and he's always very objective. He brings value. This Correct. Every time he comes prepared. That's right. So, oh my goodness, he's more prepared than anyone I know. Yeah. He's got, it's a lot of it's uh, just physical papers, you know, not data on a screen. Yeah. He's got books. But he does his research, he, he, oh, he reads everything, he knows the market inside out. And, and that's what's made him successful as a real estate agent. And he's a godly man as well, you know, he's pastor, etc. So, you know, he knows his, he knows his stuff, that's yeah. for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's my Saturday morning and then Sunday afternoons, and I do some filling stuff on Sunday. So, Sunday afternoons, you start from midday? To uh, three till six. Three till six. Three till six, yeah. Right. So, that's um, just music and a bit of chat. That's you know, pretty light content. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's just a lot of the time about having a voice on air sure. that brings something, and it might be yeah. a verse of scripture or yeah. a positive message or a, a story, even. That's what I said at the beginning of the show. People will probably recognise your voice. They've <laughs> yeah. probably never seen you. you know? Well, I have a face for radio. <laughs> I don't like cameras. I don't like being in front of people. So if you're listening to this, uh, to this on the podcast, uh, you got to go to the YouTube. No, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, uh, we'll have to get a photo of my long hair uh, to put as a, a teaser. You know, you're wearing the shirt with Yahweh. Oh, the hat, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the hat, not the shirt, right? <laughs> Again, read your face. Um, just on Sunday, I uh, reflected at church about the four consonants, Y, H, W, H. Do you know much about it? A fair bit, yeah. You've heard about the breath, the breath of God? Yes, yes. I think it's just amazing. Just for our listeners, do you want to explain that? Well, basically, there's, without going into too much science, yeah. the, the consonants actually represent the breathing in and breathing out process. Yeah. So every breath that we take and that we give yeah. is literally called the name of God, speaking the name of so God. It's like, <sighs> Yahweh. And if you go back, that's it. If you go back to the original context, yeah. the word was the name was so sacred it couldn't be verbally spoken. Yeah, it couldn't be uttered. And that's why it's created no, out of consonants. Exactly. No vowels, no vowels, so it couldn't yeah. be spoken. So even if it was spoken back in the day, it was said like Yahweh, 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 Yahwe
kind of whispered. Because we, we put the vowels, the A and the E, to make the Yahweh. That's right. But in effect, it's like, Yahweh. That's it. Beautiful, isn't it? Which is amazing because everybody says it. That's believers, right. non believers, you know, right. the most extremes are the most atheists. Well, They're all free. I, I started wearing this hat about five years ago. Yeah. And uh, where did you get it from? Uh, I had initially, there's a company called, um, oh my goodness, I forgot what they're called now. Uh, Art, of, Art of Homage? Art of Homage, I think it is. Yeah, A-O-H, Art of Homage. Okay. So they do a lot of uh, Yahweh worship, all those sorts of things. And I saw it online, I thought I'll get one of those, so I ordered yeah. it and it came. And I started wearing it when I was walking the streets and praying. Uh, met up with a, a pastor friend a few times and he said to me one time, he says, you know that verse in Revelation that talks about having the name of God on the forehead? He yeah. said, every time I see you, I think of that verse. And I think that's... Rather than sign of the beast, you have the Yahweh. Yeah, he says, I think you... That's you. You need to, that's your that's your thing is to have that name on your forehead. Hallelujah. And from that day, I've never been without a hat. I've got a collection of them now. Wherever I go, I make sure I've got one. All right, I'll join the club. <laughs> well, A, it covers my head, yes. and B, it actually invokes conversations yeah. in the streets. People will what stop. What university me. is that? <laughs> People will stop me and actually say, "Oh, the Lord God." Yeah. And people who don't go to church who just have an understanding from past history and stories or uh, education, whatever it may be, it's incredible. It's funny because I wear one called Australian Christians. You know, oh, yeah. Somebody for party. Actually, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's actually a hat, a yellow hat with Australian Christians. And it's so confronting when I walk into a place and I go, oh, what's with this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's patriotic and he's a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it fits people out. Oh, definitely. definitely. But, but this is not as... It's amazing how many people in churches will yeah. say, what's happening? Yeah. And you explain it to them and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah but they obviously know it with the bowels as well in the modern context. Yeah. But yeah, it's the people that on the streets who just stop you and have a chat. You know, I'm always about trying to find something that will spark a conversation. Yeah. You know, so I try and... Yeah, that's it. Just something, just something different. Like the trailer, which is fourth from 1985. Exactly. The coffee trailer is so good. I'm so pleased it's gone to you guys. It's yeah, so just to, to bring our viewers into this, today we just bought a coffee trailer from 1985. They used it for free coffee Friday and we're going to set it up here in front of our church and we're going to, uh, you know, um, create a bit of a buzz in the area with coffee here on in the mornings. Exactly. So out of, I don't know, 20, 30 uh, people who jumped at the opportunity, we were the first in line. We had so many calls. So Bevan put a message out to a lot of churches, community groups on Friday, and then he wasn't actually available on Friday afternoon. So Connor, the sales guy, and myself, so we were on, I'm on the relationship side, we picked up all the emails and phone calls. On Friday afternoon, I'm not joking, six hours, I was either ringing or texting or emailing people backwards and forwards. And I hadn't even picked up the trailer yet. It was yeah. at storage uh, in our friend's house. So, uh, and many, many people like yourself said, well, I'm gonna to talk to my congregation, I'll come back to you on Sunday. Yeah. Now on Sunday alone, I think I had about 12 phone calls, but you were the first. Yeah, well, at 11 when the church finished, the Lord said to me, make the call now, because yeah. at 12, the other churches will finish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we finished at 11, I made the call. It was incredible. So uh, the first thing I thought, oh, this, this guy's got to have it. So yeah. uh, we went and had a look today, and you've you driven it back. <laughs> it's funny, because I said to the church, I sent the photos this, mo uh, this morning to the church, and they were, you know, it wasn't even 24 hours since we presented it, and it was already here. That's right. So, That's Right. We might even pay for it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So, no, that's wonderful. And uh, Tony has been very helpful and he's willing yeah. to give us a hand to yeah. get a commission. Yeah. I mean, he's another guy to get on the show. He's yeah, I want to get his story. He's a truck driver, just had a yeah. God changing moment through some stuff that he went through. Yeah. Went from truck driving to coffee and that's his thing. But he's such a, such a lovely guy, like, in a sense, his whole life. He's such an ocker. Yeah. Like he's just full on Aussie truck driver bloke. Yeah. But he does coffee and loves people. He said to me, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna pay I'm gonna pay a few more months on your license uh, on your license. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And he gave me some coffee today. So That's right. Yeah, so by the way, did you pay for that couple today or no he didn't let me. Oh. Yeah, I go there often and I'll That's why you go to, <laughs> to take my money. Because uh, he goes, Oh no, it's fine, it's fine. 
hey, you've got to run a business here. Yeah. And it is a community outreach he does it for. So if you ever is a bit of a salt. Oh, if you're ever in the Bentley area, there's a Waldex nursery there. Yeah. And he runs a cafe within that that's his own. It's called the KIS. KIS. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. So make sure you visit. Uh, his name is Tony, and you're gonna have a lovely time. He makes one of the best coffees you can drink. That's right. At Waldex in Bentley, seventy-seven Leech Highway. Manning Road. Manning Road in Bentley, not Manning Road in Manning. That's right. It's, that was the confusion. That's 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 What's next for Lockie? So yeah, um, through this journey came out. Uh, found ourselves uh, in the, the radio side of things, but my journey with churches and networking and, and the city-wide unity thing, that was kind of my call from the, from the first yeah. moment. So I continued to way. do that. Yeah, yeah. London, London. Way, uh, Perth Together, all those yeah. things. So I continued to meet with people, networks. drink lots of coffee, go to GM network meetings. Uh, I'm part of the Frio Pastors Network, so we meet every Thursday and pray, but I try and get along to the other ones as well. Yeah. And uh, so I did that for three, four years, just off my own back. Um, you know, we struggled financially. I had a little bit of a business on the side that kind of just kept us above. Uh, and God was good, I gotta be honest. He some of the stories financially that he just blessed us. You know, we're at this really bad place and all of a sudden we get a, tax, a check from the tax department for a refund that we didn't expect and covered everything that we owed and you know, big numbers too. So you know, God just, just continues to be uh, our provider. But uh, it was, I think, April last year, I got a call from Bevan. So I was doing my bits and pieces on the radio. Yeah. I fill in for the Brecky guys, I think, 12, 13 weeks of the year when they're on holidays because they're part of their contractors that they have the school holidays off. Uh, so that's, I love that. That's a great part of the gig. Yeah. I don't think I want to do it full time, but yeah. I love doing it for the holidays. Oh, because it has an end. You know, it's two weeks and it's right. Yeah. yeah so I mean, it's quite early as well. Yeah, get up at four, four thirty. So yeah, you got It's not just about getting up; it's about getting brain motivated at that time. So the coffee's a key part of it. This <laughs> guy who rides in, doesn't he? Or was the guy who, who rides in oh, every morning? Oh, okay. He used to be on the show on the morning show, and he would ride at four o'clock in the morning oh, from man. Morley all the way down there. Okay. But when we were in Morley, I think there was. Or, or you were in Morley. Yeah, so it used to be a. This I think it's the old you know, where youth care. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. All right. Around there. But um. Yeah, so uh, the radio gig, uh, and all of a sudden, Reverend comes along, he says, uh, this is uh, April last year, he says, um, we're looking for someone in a kind of, you know, whatever, maybe full-time capacity to be a church and community engagement relationship kind of person. He says, you know, we've got salespeople, and we've got people look after our sponsors, but we want someone that engages with the community and the church, and drinks coffee and chats to people and networks and make things happen, you know, join yes. people together. Are you interested? Mm. And I went, this sounds really good. What do you mean? What's the, what's the catch? What's the, you know, what's the KPI? What do I have yeah. to, to bring in? And he said, really, it's, there's not a lot. He said, look, you've obviously got to you know, make sure you're bringing some value. Yeah. But it's about, it's a kingdom thing. The board has discussed it and they want something that's a real kingdom focus. And I went, this is what I've been doing for the last three or four years anyway. Just nobody paying. So you want to pay me for what I'm doing anyway? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so I, they were pretty keen on full time, but for me, we've got some church stuff going on. Yeah, and I, went, I think point eight will work well. And to be honest, I'm probably doing one point two anyway, yeah. <laughs> just with everything, because it's all my whole world's just kind of melting. Yeah, and more the way now. But it's a seven day life, isn't it? It's great though. It's great. Yeah. Like I feel so energized. No, but there's a life to it. So she just recently actually transitioned over to Kerry. Baptist College in Forestdale, so she okay. is in the enrollments section there. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So she's enjoying life there. And how old's your little one? So she's eight, going on nine this year. So yeah. And she's at a local primary school in yeah. Leeming, uh, and a nice little community school as well, there, which nice. we get to be involved in some stuff. There's some great schools around oh, Leeming. Beautiful. And beautiful. Most mine. Was wrong. Yeah. And it's a uh, school that is actually a, an independent public school. Okay. So it's, it's run a little bit different to a traditional public school. Yeah. There's less than 300 kids there, so it's got a beautiful. Our kids are in church dance, and that oh, is yeah. pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they're doing extremely well there. That's great. It's a great school. Isn't church dance high the really big one? Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the 3,000, yeah. and church dance primary is this small one. It's crazy. 500 yeah. kids. Yeah. 
But uh, so yeah, so the radio thing continues. The yeah. the, uh, the the connection, the church and community engagement, which enables me to you know catch up with people like yourself and talk community, talk unity, yeah. talk you know kingdom. Uh, it's so good, and I get to you know bring people on air and yeah. you know put them in front of different uh, hosts for different shows as well. Yeah, um, and to, to also network. The, the, the key is to to find needs yeah. and to match the resource and to yeah. find resources and match the needs yeah. because there's a lot of good people out there doing great things yeah. but there's also a lot of, I think there's a lot of wasted energy because there's a lot of doubling up. Sure. Whereas you go, okay, hey, you, know, you guys are doing this outreach program, you guys are doing a similar program, why don't you have a coffee together and figure out what you can yeah. do together and you know maybe uh, combine some, and create some synergy in what you're doing. Yeah. So that's a huge component of it. Uh, we're also very connected with the Uniting Church of all places. Yep. So again, that's a whole other story how that happened. Uh, you know, Pentecostal Baptist, and I ended up in a traditional Uniting Church, and um, and and you are accepted. Yeah. People love you. Yes. All like, people love you. Well, I don't know about love me, but uh, you know, they accept me for. They don't have to like you. They have to love you. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah. They can that's, like you on Facebook, but they have to love you. Real that's such a Christian answer. Have you heard Christianese before? Yeah. So uh, Phil Baker. He wrote a book called uh, what was it? Um, Crazy things Christians say, or yeah, or something like that. Anyway, it's a lingo. So, yeah, something. Oh. And you know, you've got that language where you say, "I love you in the Lord," yeah. which really means I can't stand you. But if I say that, I have no God will still forgive me. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> That's <love>. right. <laughs> I love him like a brother. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, uh, but that's good, right? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that continues. And then the United Church, where we've just uh, we're working with a couple of other churches. So you're actually pastoring your church, aren't you? Uh, not officially pastoring. I guess leading a a replant yeah. is what we're doing. Is that in Fiji? Uh, that's actually in Bicton at the moment. Okay. So uh, yeah, there's some real synergy happening around that region as well. Some good things. We've got a new minister down at Wesley Fremantle with Andy Broadbent, who started a couple of weeks back. Nice. Uh, from Bustleton, he's brought his family up and uh, I think he's going to breathe some new life. Andy, the South African Andy? No, no. no. Uh, so Andy Broadbent, so he's okay. a surfy guy. Not South African, surfy as in surfing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't they run the surfing ministry in the park down there? there was, they had some connections with Christian surfers. I know the boys, his boys are uh, part of the Christian surfers. There. I know Andy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. To meet up with him when I was going down to Basel. Oh, okay. Because he was in Perth and then That's he right. moved down there maybe seven or eight years seven ago. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, he, he did some wonderful things there. He's a great Basel. Oh, he ran the church in the pub, you know that? Yeah, that's right. So he's now here, he's back up here. He's South African. He's South African. I don't know. Yeah, he is. He can't be. Yes. Really? He's the most Australian South African I've been Yeah, he's South African. But he's a Serbian and. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Boys yeah. Muse, yeah. He was part of Southern Cross for a while, I think. Okay. Great guy, really, okay. really great guy. Okay, fantastic. Small world. Yeah, it is. So, uh, yeah, so we're working together a little bit. We went to his induction last Sunday. Yeah. And so, Wesley, and uh, so we've got this new evening, we've called it the Eve at Bicton yeah. on Sunday nights. Uh, also, just at night. Correct, yeah. So, the traditional service. Oh, there's a church at the Bicton United Church. Okay. Yes. No morning service. No, so they've still got the morning. That's a traditional service. But you have a combined sort of service. Well, what yeah. happened is the traditional morning service is you know, the, the United Church liturgy, um, you know, following the lectionary and, and yeah. all that stuff. It's great. Um, and so I'm there once or twice a month preaching anyway. Yeah. You know, with a team that uh, also. Uh, fit in the other Sundays. Yeah. Uh, John Mess from Life Chapel, he's working with us as well, uh, or I'm working with, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I guess the, the connection with, as I say, with Fremantle, uh, with what Andy sees as well, there's going to yeah. be some crossover there. Uh, because I think what's happened is we've got these traditional services in the yeah. morning and they're beautiful, but maybe they're just they're not going to bring the younger, new generations yeah. in. So we've gone, well, let's not change that because we don't want to let's take away that. from the people that... But let's do something else as well. Correct. So we've got a Sunday night and it's a really... What do you call it? It's called The Eve. The Eve. Yeah. The Eve. Correct. Yeah. Because it's the beginning of something new. Uh, we're not giving anyone apples, so don't worry about that. Yeah. It's not that Eve. Um, but we have a, a one-hour service, roughly one hour from five o'clock. Uh, it's very organic and connected, so it's a community. Yeah, it's not a traditional. So there's, you know, we bring the musos, one or two, three, four musos, depending on the day. We 
in the middle of the room where we put the chairs, everyone stands or sits around yeah. at the same level and we just get together and worship, go through some scriptures, um, you know, I speak for 15, 20 minutes on a bit of questions or another Exactly. Make it very open for a very uh, connect group style. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we pray and sing some more songs at the end and then, as I say, roughly about an hour. And then we have a meal together. Ah, so yeah, everyone cooks something up and, oh my goodness, the meals just keep oh, going. So, I know. So We've been doing that for four years. Yeah, okay. So every Sunday night, we have a service and a meal. Beautiful. It's the best. It's the best. Families, kids love it, you know, yeah. you go from straight to bed, everything's done. That's it, exactly. Yeah. So because it's a school night, kids yeah. are fed, they go home, they're just Yeah, hour. what time do you start? We start at five. Five, yeah. yeah. So, so by seven o'clock, it's all done. So Correct. Thirty. That's and it. And they're home, That's fed, it. and just pyjamas in bed. Exactly. It's, it's phenomenal. So yeah, for, so we've been running for three weeks now. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty funny, actually. Uh, this Love WA that's happening, we had yeah. a meeting at uh, the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church on Tuesday, three weeks ago. Mounties. Yeah, man. So that was the week leading up to our Sunday night launch at yep. Bigton. On Saturday night, I got a notification to say that Mount Pleasant was an exposure site. Oh, so I had to be tested, quarantined, quarantine, etc. until Monday. So so, yeah, so I went and had the test the next morning. So you only had a couple of days or one day? Well, it was only one day, but meant that I couldn't be there a bit and so I had to zoom my oh, zoom first, that night first, first night. <laughs> <laughs> but the fun of you go, oh it was funny. Well, we people like you all for that. It worked well though, so a couple of guys there. It worked better without you. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should do everything, just sit on my couch and preach. Uh, but we had uh, a good turnout and as I said the, yeah. all the technology worked really well. I literally hung up the Zoom call and our power went out. Oh, so the time was that good. Yeah. Uh, we probably could have got away with 4G and the phone maybe yeah. have done it, but it was good to have the proper setup. Uh, and then two minutes later, I got the message to say negative. Oh. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was what a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster, I tell you. But, you know, God's just great and He's doing amazing things through. So many apps, United Church, uh, community connection with uh, Native Five, hosting, yeah. and many, many other. And and uh, tuning forwards. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. We were talking about that this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, I actually got home about four o'clock this afternoon. And I went, so I actually did a service on both my wife's car and my car. This afternoon, the one and a half hours before I wow. had a quick shower, went for a swim next door. Yeah. Had a quick shower and came back here. So. Well, you're a man of many. It's funny. I I'm not a master of any trade. Yeah, but I'll give anything a crack. Yeah, uh, and be good on tools. You could be hands. Oh yeah, well, I had a business on for twelve years where I was doing automation and control equipment, so it was all tools. Yeah, I still have my tools and everything. I love to get on the tools. And, nice. Uh, as long as you don't get you know, grease on your fingernails too much. Because <laughs> the next day, you know, you put a suit on or something, you get a little bit presentable. Yeah. But I like variety. Like I've never yeah. been someone that wanted to live in a box and take on a career and stay with that. I've always tried different things. Now, you're 86. What would you tell your 50-year-old self? I'm 86 years old. And oh, you're telling goodness. something, your your 50-year-old 50, 50 self. Can yeah. I I'm telling my 50. Um, 86, well, it depends, you know. Uh, There's not much time left. <laughs> At 86. years <laughs> away. Because... It's a case of what's going to happen in the next 36 years. That's right. What are the ebbs and flows of life and the Christian faith and what would you even economically? You what know? would you like if I could achieve by then? Well, like I, I consider what would I tell myself 20 years ago? Okay. Like looking at that yeah. space because I've lived this 20 years. All right. And you know what? There's not a lot that I would say because I don't want to spoil it. Because life, you can't forecast life. God only gives you so much insight. Yeah. Because if we knew what the future held, we wouldn't do a lot of the things that we do. We True. And you wouldn't exercise faith. And that's it. Faith is not something that comes through knowing. Faith is in the unknowing. Yeah. Faith is trust in what you don't understand. Certainty in the uncertainty. Correct. So I don't, you know, I might tell myself to buy some shares in Google or something like that just for a bit of a laugh, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think from a faith perspective... Not Facebook. Like, oh, you yeah. sell, sell before December yeah, last year. That's right. <laughs> before oh, Meta. Before, oh, January this year was a 
but yeah, I, I think from a faith perspective, yeah, just love well. Just go, go back and say, hey, you know what, whatever you do, just love well. Um, don't expect people to respond the way you expect, yeah. but just love them anyway. Because yeah. uh, that's the key in life, is to love people no matter what. And I think I was saying to you today, I met with uh, Steve Hall from Team Challenge, Team Challenge, Adult Team Challenge, yeah. a couple of weeks back. And he really threw something in the mix for me. He said, I had him, yeah. Oh, okay. He said, you meet a lot of people through life, and you meet some of the most broken, vulnerable, damaged people, and the immediate thought is, oh my goodness, you know, how, what are they you know, going to get to? How are we going to work with this? That's my thought anyway yeah. when I see people like that. But then I go, well, I was pretty broken as well, and yeah. God saw past that. But he said to me, go the next level, and when you see those people, he said, you've got to see them as a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. He said, they're actually an amazing person for God when they come to the faith. Yeah. The reason they are the way they are is because the enemy has stifled them, has actually put something in their life to hold them back, an addiction yeah. or a brokenness yeah. or a, a set of circumstances in order to hold them back because he knows what a threat they are. That's why. To the, dark, to the darkness. That's why he wants them on his side yeah. so he holds them back. Because yeah. he knows as soon as they are entering into the kingdom of light, they have an immediate impact and a yeah. lifelong impact. Yeah. And some of the greatest people I know serving in the kingdom are people who come from very dark backgrounds. Yeah, you know. So yeah, it was a real one. perspective shift for me. But that means going deep. It does absolutely. That, that means going maybe three, four levels deep. Yeah, but most right. people only can see the surface. That's right. We 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 people of visual. Yeah, we see something and we work on that. Whereas we've got to be people in the spirit where we see deeper and we see through God's eyes. And the best way for me to do that is to look at my own life yeah. and to look at what God's allowed me to go through and how he's continued to bless and supply and uh, heal and train and develop and, and bring, uh, you know, what's the word, character development yeah. through all this stuff yeah. uh, to make me who I am today, who still has a long way to go. Sure. You know, yeah. the world's not finished yet, I can assure you. Beautiful. Because if this is the finished product, it's not quite right. Um, well, you know what I learned tonight from you, um, Loki? I've heard that life is a process. Mm. That is beauty in that process and in the character building. And not just looking towards the finish line, but enjoying the journey as well. That process. Yeah. And along that path, loving well. Yeah. And loving well means loving deep. That's right. And, uh, not just brotherly love, the shallow love, yeah, right. the churchy love. love. You and the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Show me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll tell you a joke on that. Though. Okay. Uh, somebody once said, you know, they said, do you really love me? <laughs> and uh, the guy said, the pastor, he was a visiting pastor. He said, yes, I love you. He said, do you, do you really, really love me? He said, yeah, I love you, I love you. He said, well, Eat this lolly. <laughs> and the guy says, look, I'm fasting today. <laughs> but I would take it. So, you know, loving like a brother can have a very weird connotation. But uh, I think in church sometimes we, we forcefully accept one another, which is um, hypocrisy. Yeah, that's true. You know, like the Pharisees. Mm. And uh, you know what's interesting? When... When I'm a hypocrite, everyone else sees it but me. Mm, that's right. It's so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the white elephant in the room and nobody else. I mean, everybody sees it except the person yeah. himself. And that's awkward. Well, we live in a day where we are told that it's all about us. You know? Yeah. Everything's accessible. I say this all the time, how we carry this device in our pocket. Yeah. That we can order food and it comes immediately. I can yeah. order a, a couch and have it delivered the next day. I can buy a brand new car online yeah. and have it delivered. I don't have to leave it. So everything is at my convenience, at my touch. Yeah. So I think I'm the king. I'm the king of my life. Yeah. And one of the greatest downfalls that is probably known in history was that we took God out of the schools. Yeah. That's my biggest blame. Yeah, that's why I'm a big supporter of chaplains, aliens and amazing school chaplains and health care, phenomenal people. Because what it does is it removes the foundation that says you are a created being, you are loved, but you're also accountable. Yeah. Instead, we've told kids from a young age, 
that you're actually just some amoeba that happened by chance in this big bang situation. Yeah. You actually have no accountability. There's no purpose for life. Yeah. So just go out and do whatever makes you feel good and satisfies your, you know, your urges, basically. Yeah. So that's what they do. Whereas if you reverse that, flip it on its head, they actually are loved. There's a God who created you with a purpose yeah. and a plan. Yeah. And when you step out of that, it's hard because you're not actually fulfilling your plan. Sure. But more than that, you're missing out on the blessing of being loved by the creator of all things, the yeah. creator of the universe. If you can get that back into people's minds, it changes everything because I think there's a lot of broken people out there who simply don't know that they're loved. They don't that's have families. Loved exactly. They don't have families, real families. Some don't have parents. Some don't have brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties, whatever. But they don't know what real love is. And even those who do have those potentially don't know what yeah, real the love, love is. Yeah, forgiving, infinite. Um, I spoke on Amazing Love yesterday. It's just it's still in my head, my heart. This this idea that God says you know, that the, the two fundamental uh, laws are to love God with everything you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And He says on these two commands, everything rests. Pivots, everything. Yeah. They're the hinges of everything. We get those two right. The world is a different place. Mm. Yeah? So that's my. And that that is not the gospel. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you, Lockie. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hope you love this. I love this conversation. We will call it uh, Love Well. Love Well. Because I think it's important to love well. Love like Jesus. First, you need to experience that love, and then you can manifest that love to others. So um, embrace the season, whatever season you're going through, and learn to love. Because the big question at the end of life when you will meet the Lord will be this While you were alive, did you learn how to love? And everything is found in there. I just pray that you learn how to love and love really well. If you love this content, do share it with other people. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can just be ranked up a little bit higher with your help. Uh, yeah, so we're on Amazon. We're on uh, just about any podcast platform you can really search for, Spotify, etc., and also YouTube. Hope to see you next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. My name is Nathaniel. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.